This is your host, Donna Barr, and welcome to A Bazillion Ghost Stories. It looks like this is going to be the horse episode because I've got a lot of stories about horses and the closest to a ghostly one is about a person who came became a ghost because she was riding a horse. When I was a teenager, there was a farm that raised standard bred horses and there was a filly. And when I say filly, she's not up to breeding age yet, but she's full grown enough to be ridden. And the only one that could ride this filly was a young man who was studying to be a seminarian, to be a priest. And that was probably for good reason, because this horse would threaten to kill anybody else. Um, we'd seen her try to kill dogs in her pasture. If you were in the pasture or near the pasture, and this uh, red bitch came after you with her ears back and her neck snaking, you got the hell out of there, because she was going to take a chunk out of you. But her mother, this horse's mother was a lovely red mare and she was ridden commonly by the woman who rode the farm and she never put a foot wrong this was a lovely horse none of us were afraid of her we'd go under her belly to get things or give her water whatever needed to be done nobody was afraid of this horse and one day when we all expected that the daughter sooner or later would kill someone the mother the mare went off like a bomb, bucked her owner off, and pounded her into the ground. You got to be careful around horses because you never know when they will take a snit and decide they've had it with you. Correction. These were not standard breads which have good tempers they're the trotting horses these were american saddle breads these were originally bred to be fine riding horses but through inbreeding their tempers have become unreliable we all know that horses are vegetarians just like deer and hamsters but deer have been seen fishing and eating fish raw and chewing the ears off of dead rabbit carcasses when they're hungry enough. And a friend of mine said that when she was a kid, they had a horse that would sneak under the fence, and believe you me, they're almost like snakes that way, to get to an untended barbecue so that she could eat the half-cooked pork chops off the grill. This was probably to get the salt in the blood, but... A horse's bite is set up by a lock in the jaw, and you don't ever want a horse to bite you because if they can't line their teeth up, let's say be behind your upper arm bone, uh, that lock goes into position, and the only way they can get away from biting you is to basically just go backwards and pull your whole arm away from your body, and they can do it. They can take about a 10-pound bite off of you, if they decided they're tired of your crap or if they're just in a mood and I love horses I adore them but I have no illusions about them and 
they can go off like bombs. And by the way, their kick has been measured. Well, they were measured by machines after those machines were destroyed. And it was found that the kick of a horse is gives the same amount of energy release as a hand grenade. They can kick your head off. And their cousins, the zebras, commonly just lash out that anything gets too close behind them because they very often have lions stalking them. So there's anything from other zebras, although they're more careful, to wildebeest who simply get brained because they got too close behind a zebra. One thing a lot of people don't know about horses is that they need a leader. And if you're refusing to lead, the horse will lead. And I used to go out riding uh, with a friend's horses. And there was one big, again, big red mare who had been badly abused when she was growing up. The guy trained her with a two by four. And it's been said that men are afraid of horses. You know how men are afraid of the planet? Um, they're afraid of horses and they brutalize them. So she was treated incredibly badly, just cowed by this guy. And then, well, I shouldn't say that because she was still trying to get him. Uh, he sold her as a riding horse to a kid. And thank goodness that the owners soon realized that this was no horse for a kid. She was just going to get humans. And they sold her to my friend. Well, my friend knew she had this problem. So we go out riding. And for some reason, me, who is not the Lone Ranger, uh, got put on this horse. And the horse and I got along because I let the horse be the leader. I didn't pay any attention at all. I just sat on her. And she was, believe it or not, dressage trained. And I would just let her tell me what she needed for communication. And I'm talking about the kind of horse that all you had to do was think about what you want you wanted her to do, as long as it was reasonable, and she'd do it. You know, it's like, let's follow these horses. Let's go up this hill. Anyway, we were following along with the other horses, no problem. And she always watched where she was going. I didn't have to drive. She knew what she was doing with her feet. Uh, the problem is with this horse, at one point she had gotten into barbed wire. You could see the scars all over her. Now, the thing is, any kind of trauma can leave a horse permanently traumatized, especially barbed wire. And the Himalayan blackberries up here, they're non-native. They are massive. They get completely out of hand. I don't know when they were breeding these blackberries up to have big fruits. Why didn't they get rid of those awful thorns which are almost worse than barbed wire. So she would have been permanently frightened of these. So the horse and I are following my friend up a trail and there's a steep break in the cliff on one side and a deep cliff on the other. Well, this horse uh, put her foot wrong. She had, a, she had a weak leg from when she'd been so abused and she put that leg down into the blackberry. So of course, I know what went through her head. She thought she was in barbed wire. She panicked so bad. She reared. And when she did, she whirled and we were both going to go off the cliff and it wasn't a small one. And um, I automatically, and I think I've told everybody about how fast my reflexes are because I've always been an artist. I have strong hands. I, with the strong hands, I was able to short haul on her reins. I really had control over her head. And if you swing a horse's head, 
you can swing the whole horse over. So I managed to swing her big head and put her back down on the ground. And I screamed for my friend to please come help us. And she says, what's wrong? And I said, she's got a leg down in the blackberries. And she says, well, just haul her up. I said, her leg is weak. She's going to collapse. I can't let go of her head. I'm holding her up. And she'll, she came back and got me. Now, at that point, uh, from then on, that horse considered me the leader. And she'd do whatever I told her. But we did have a problem. Since I was now the boss and she was happy to have a leader, she didn't watch her feet. She was tripping over small logs and just walking along the trail any which way, not paying any attention because I was the leader. And from then on, I had to drive. Well, I think I'll tell a story about another uh, horse or pony that was owned by the same person. Um, and by the way, that red mare at that point got so friendly that she ended up hanging out with everybody at the barbecues with the chickens and the kids and the cats. And she wasn't scared of people or angry anymore. But they also had this little pony. It was a uh, pony of the Americas. It was a little Appaloosa pony, kind of a roan. And uh, he very much was in control of everything. He knew exactly where people were going to be on his back. And I will never forget how I had him for the day. And he was a delight to read, to ride. <laughs> well, you kind of read horses too. But he was a delight to ride. And I remember going down a steep uh, hill with him and he was going into a kind of a lope and I as usual being Miss Lousy Rider kind of started to lose my seat in the saddle and he punched his butt up in the air and threw me back into the saddle and off we went. Uh, the horse kind of knew what he was doing and I might as well finish the story with the big red mare. When we had to move a bunch of these horses to the new house and the new barn um, they put me on her and we went along, and in the course of the three miles on the road to get where she was going, she had to deal with somebody moving a house, and she had to ride beside or walk beside a pasture where there was a young bull who thought that it was fun just to tease her, run up and down. She didn't even look at him. And farther on down, just before we got to the other place, there was a pasture with a camel. And let me tell you something. That horse never turned a hair. I was so proud of her. Talking about nice horses, there was uh, kind of a buckskin roan that lived next door to uh, my folks when I was growing up. And there was a big pasture over there with a barn. And us kids would just kind of grab a rope bridle and grab her and run out through the woods. And everybody knew where the horse was. And that wasn't a problem. Uh, but one time they had that horse all saddled up. Now she was cutting horse, trained cutting horse. And I got up on her and I thought she was going to be the same old bareback run through the woods pony, but she had gone to work because she had a saddle and bridle on. And so uh, Miss Dum Dum here um, leans forward a little bit and that horse drops her hindquarters and takes off just as fast as lightning because that was the signal she got. And I got a little unbalanced and I my weight went to the right. And of course she spun and took off to the right and that just torqued me into the ground. Uh, and I, so I woke up a bit later, a little goggle-eyed, and uh, she, I just looked up, and there she was with her big old leg beside me and her muzzle nuzzling me to see if I was okay, because that's how she'd been trained. But you may be messing around with a horse that is off-duty and can be ridden like any old little old bareback pony, but you better think about it if they are in their working rig. A horse can suddenly go from just playing around to being a professional 
when they get the right writer. I was riding a horse at a friend's barn once, and she was just slopping along, and she was giving the other horses some trouble until her owner said, that's enough of that, and stepped off her horse and came and got that one, and this old sloppy horse with her head hanging down and being a troublemaker, all of a sudden snapped to attention, went into full dressage mode and paid attention because, like I said, they need a leader. Well, my dad served in the horse cavalry, which was disbanded in 1942, and he went on to another part of the service. Uh, but he was a horse cavalryman, and I had heard this, and I'd never seen him ride a horse, but there was this one little old cream-colored pony that we all rode at my sister's house. And again, this was a little ragged-ass crazy thing, a little cream-colored cutie, and she would just treat us like dirt. She'd rub us off against trees, and if we came after her with a bridle at all, she wasn't having it, although you could get onto her bareback when she was just out in the pasture and practically fall asleep on her because she weren't trying to get her to do anything. Well, one time my dad came in, and we had a bridle on her, and she was not cooperating, and he decided to get up on top of her, threw a leg over her, and he snapped up into that ramrod straight American cavalry posture and shortened her reins, pulled her head up, made her get into the full arch-necked, collected cavalry horse look and made her walk chalk all over that pasture. And she acted like she was really kind of happy about it with her tail in the air and her head all up like a, uh, like a carousel horse. So yeah, my dad could ride as a cavalryman and it seemed to make the horse happy. I once had an opportunity to train a colt. The day this colt was born, and nobody expected the colt to be there because the mare had gotten out again once and uh, gotten pregnant again. And as the owner said, which was John, Dan's brother-in-law, John, he said, but, but she only got out once. And uh, Norma, Dan's mom, looked at him and said, how many times do you think it takes well, when this colt was born, I decided to go up there and say, what the heck, let's try training it. So I put a little rope bridle around this brand new little colt and a little bit of a rope underneath his tail and taught him to lead. Oh, and I should say the first thing I did was pick him up and carry him around, which is kind of a psychological trick with a horse. If you pick them up when they're first born and you carry them around, they never really get through their head that you can't do it anymore when they get bigger. They think that you are stronger than they are. So anyway, I'm leading him around like that, and also I'm picking up his tiny little hooves, and we did about five minutes of that, didn't, didn't do a lot of work, Dan was helping me, and uh, he was also keeping the bull calves away from the, the colt um, with, with a piece of broken, broken broomstick, and so we gave him a little more training, and every single day we gave him some training until we got a regular halter on him, and he was, he was uh, leading really well, and we're picking his feet up. And then when the farrier came in for the first time, take a look at those little feet. He ran his hand down the leg and didn't get very far. And that little colt just whipped his leg up in the air. And the farrier said, huh, somebody's been handling his feet. And I was very proud. Anyway, this is a, this is a great little colt. He was a natural pacer because uh, John ran standard breads and a pacer is faster than a trotter. A trotter has a diagonal uh, gait. A pacer, both legs move on the same side of the body at the same time, like a camel. But for some reason, it makes a trotting or a pacing horse much, much faster. And normally, they have to be forced to do that or trained to do that. There's even a harness rig that will assist a horse to be a pacer. But this kid was a natural pacer. 
And I'll never forget the time that he came roaring in, pacing out of the back pasture, and wasn't watching where he was going, and hit the fence and completely flipped over the top. And this was a really easy-going horse, but he also thought he was a cat. At one point, I had the, the um, stall all cleaned up, and this little colt threw his tail up in the air, came flying back into the, the stall, and took a big old poop in the stall and then ran right back out again because he'd seen the cat dig up the stall enough times and use it. Well, this was one easygoing little horse, and he'd stand and ask for people, to, you know, come watch me run. Come watch me pace all over the pasture. He just had no problem. And uh, I'll tell you something, when they um, when they had to train him, uh, these were not expert horsemen either. This was these little amateur standard bred races down in... Um, in Ohio, and uh, he, at one point, they had the harness on him all inside out and backwards, and he was laying on his back while they tried to get him undone from the harness, and he's just eating the grass there, and he, he did fine, but the problem was, I don't know, maybe we trained him wrong, or maybe that was his whole personality, uh, he just seemed to be a kind of an easygoing little colt, he wasn't very competitive, He'd rather just look at the people up in the stands. Ooh, looky down. He just didn't care if he ran against the other horses and won. So, finally, this well-trained little colt was sold to a teenage girl as a riding horse. And unlike the big red mare who started out bad, this one ended up good. And evidently, he was very happy as a riding her horse, and so was she. That is, she was happy as a rider. <laughs> I remember my dad telling us the usual thing about how he had to walk three, four, two, a million miles uphill both ways in the snow to get to school and trying to make out that we had a lot better. We had a we had a school bus. We shouldn't be complaining. And that's when mom looked at him and went, Don, you had a horse. Well, for the rest of the day, it was why can't we have a horse? Can't we have a horse? We could ride a horse down there. They would. We could leave it out there in the playground, and we could have hay out there for it, and we could come home on it. We could all ride a horse, one horse. We don't need more than one horse, and Dad just gave Mom a dirty look. Don, you had a horse. I don't know how many people have heard the term woods colt. It usually means a bastard, but up where I was, it was all the kids who ran around through the woods back when it was woods up there, and... Uh, I probably uh, started to try to drift away from Catholicism in my teens without paying that much attention to it. It wasn't a matter of belief. It was just something that you did because your mom told you you had to. And so I remember being done up in my blue dress and even had a pair of heels on because, you know, I would, girls wore heels after confirmation. So I'm standing there in the front yard waiting for the car to get going. And I look up and I see a bay horse run by on the road. And I started to follow it, heels and all. And a guy comes roaring along in a truck and he says, did you see a horse come by here? And I says, yes, I did. So he says, let's go get the horse. And, you know, in today's world of serial killers, you're wondering what the heck is going on there. But back then, if somebody came along and said, did you see the horse? Yes, you got in the truck. So we took off for the woods. And where Boeing is now, we spent the whole afternoon trying to track this horse through the woods. 
uh, ducking under branches, going through brambles. I'm in my heels, but you know, when you're a woods colt, you're used to it. And we finally came back up. Mm -hmm. We finally gave up and uh, headed on back home. And he said he was sorry. And when I got back home, for some reason, I don't know what the hell, mom says, well, you missed church. And I says, you know, I'm not going to church anymore. And she looked at me and said, uh, okay. And the other kids said, what? What? What do you mean? She didn't get to, she is. She gets to go to not go to church anymore? What about it? You know, I mean, they were really, really upset. It was kind of like that kind of babbling, you know? But she says, no, she's old enough. She's decided not to go to church. Well, things came out okay because a couple of weeks later, a little kid walking along with an electrical wire in her hand, and I don't know why she had that, but she saw the horse and had heard the reports of it and just threw the wire around the horse's head and led her back to her house where her dad called the guy who owned the horse. And uh, as a reward, the guy gave me a whole box of C's chocolates, which if you've ever been to Seattle or you're from Seattle, you know how good those are. At least we think they are. And you know something? I did not share them. So here's one more horse story. Dan and I were someplace. I think what we were doing was watching one of the big standard breads for his brother, John. Big horse, 17 hands, real nice. And we were watching the other horses at the horse show, and it was a fair. And they had a obedience class in the horses. And there was a bunch of kids, and they had, oh my God, the ugliest horse you ever saw in your life. First of all, it was the yuckiest liver brown. It was hammer-headed. It was ewe-necked, stiffle-hocked, bow-legged, sway-backed, had a ratty tail, you never saw such an ugly horse in your life. But he's really quiet, and this gang old kids were combing him and brushing him and braiding what tail he had and putting polishing spray on him and just making him gleam and putting him through his paces with a halter. And this was the, I think it was the, the obedience or presentation class or something like that. And it wasn't about what the horse was built like or his breed or if he was beautiful. It was how well he was turned out, how well cared for, and how obedient he was. And this ugly mess of a horse with his gang of kids won the class. I think the judges probably gave it to him because, let's face it, you're going to take it away from a bunch of kids and their ugly horse. Would you like to be part of this podcast? You can go to anchor.fm slash Donna-Bar and you can leave me a voice message with your story that can become part of this podcast. If you would rather have me read it, send a PDF or PDFA, double-spaced, larger type to DonnaBar01 at gmail.com. You can also become a patron at patreon.com slash Donna Bar. And finally, if you would like to know anything about what I've done in my life that has to do with my work, conventions, etc., go to DonnaBar.com. Hope to see you there. I will also put all this information in the program notes. <music>